this is one of the things that I take really seriously in my work with youth of children and youth of all ages. I have so little interest, to be honest, um, in whether or not a young person is Christian. Um, it's cool when they are. Like, yeah. um, I've, I've had some youth who have grown up and been really interested in Christianity and like want to talk about it. And that's always super cool for me. But at the end of the day, like, I don't actually care that much. What I care about is them going on their spiritual journey yes. and them coming to whatever uh, conclusions that they need to come to and figuring out what makes the most sense for them. And, and even when it comes to like their interpretations of Christianity, like I said before, we're making so much of this up. Mm-hmm. Like so much of this is us just trying to make sense of this amazing, incredible, massive God that doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. Because how could somebody how could so something so great actually make sense to human beings who are not on the same level? And so if that's the case, like everything's going to fall short and we're all, all of us combined and all of our ideas combined together are going to come somewhere close. But in the meantime, like you can try yourself. Like you can also make it up. And like, if somebody else is sitting there doing something and like, you want to do drag church, do drag church. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Mace. Welcome to episode 157. Yes. Yes. Great. (laughs) To check. The way we do this, I've always wondered if you could hear our mood in the way we introduce ourselves. Because it's a little (laughs) different beat rhythm. Sometimes we're super pumped. Sometimes we're normal. Sometimes I'm sensing like, I'm going to say it differently tonight, whatever. (laughs) What are, what I'm are feeling we tonight? Really, I feel like I'm feeling really chill right now. I was going to say, I think the vibes vibe. are chill vibes. Yeah. Because this is a coming back to it. We're not yeah. gearing up to, to head into an episode. Yeah, we've done We're an interview. Reflecting. We've percolated or meditated on it for a while. And now it's like nice to be able to come back. We're releasing it tomorrow. And now we, we've sat with this interview for a little bit. Exactly. And we're just letting you know what it's all about. What are we titling this? <sighs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> you guys, once you've clicked on this, you'll know what the title is. I kind of want to call it Reverend Ashley or Pastor Ashley. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that's what the title is. But everybody, we're interviewing Pastor Ashley. <laughs> um, Ashley is my brand new co-worker at Beloved Arise. Yeah. Ashley's been working with us for about three months now, I think. Hopefully I got that right, Ashley. Um and it's, I have so many things I want to say. <laughs> this guy's trying to get <laughs> but them all if in. If you follow this podcast, everybody, you know that we are curiosity podcast. Our mission is to help people be less certain, more curious. Whoop, whoop. Recently, we've been a little bit more honest slash bold slash authentic about sort of our Christian adjacent vibes, right? Interesting way this to put it. This is not a Christian podcast. No, it is not. I really want to make sure people know that. Yes. We do Christian things. 
outside of this environment and we bring Christianity into this space sometimes. It's true. It's true. Which I'm finding myself all of a sudden being like, no, 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 I don't want it in the air. And I have been lately reclaiming Christianity. Right. No, that, that's something to name, right? It's, we have an ambivalence towards it, which is big ambivalence. I think our audience does too. Yes. You know? Yes. And I think it's, I think that's empowering to name that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh, and I think that's that actually helps people enter into this conversation. And that's why I would be excited for our listeners to listen to this conversation. Yes. You know. Yeah, it, no, I think you're saying it well. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a person, any, any, <laughs> yeah, like what I want to say about No Small Thing is that this isn't like, Christian content all of a sudden, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about cookies or something next week. No, yeah. Next <laughs> yeah. week is going to be hopefully really ridiculous. As nonsensical <laughs> as possible. Like, we're going to get serious sometimes and we're going to veer very quickly off into something silly. Yeah. Which actually maybe we try to make somehow not so silly at the end of the day, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think this conversation with pastor Ashley represents this work we're doing, which is to wonder essentially here's a free form way of saying it mm-hmm. to wonder if, there is a way to continue to engage Christianity mm-hmm. in a way that feels authentic and real and good and wholesome and maybe probably offering an alternative to a lot of what we see, at least in American evangelicalism, but probably on a global scale, something that you don't like and you wonder if there's an alternative. And so far for now we're seeing maybe there is, Yeah, we don't know if it's, for sure, but we're seeing maybe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's always, I feel like we're always wanting to lean into like, there's third ways. Yeah. There's otherwise possibilities. Yeah. This, this is like a third in a series of sorts. I feel like we've had a bit of a, a pride series in mm-hmm. this month mm-hmm. that's just kind of emerged naturally. And it's like we had Kevin and then we had Kent mm-hmm. and now we have Pastor Ashley who are all different spiritual leaders that are doing work in and around Christian spaces mm-hmm. and bringing their queerness to those spaces. Yes. And so we interviewed these folks and it just kind of happened during mm-hmm. June. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really planned, but it is kind of a fun little, I feel like it's a mini series that's, that's kind it of occurred in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we didn't obviously, obviously I hope it's obvious. We did not give Ashley any sort of script or prompts or anything that we <laughs> wanted her to say. It's like what you get is Ashley and that's beautiful. And what I found so compelling in terms of the broader conversation is like, you know, Ath- Ashley is part of this beloved arise crew. And again, as, as somebody that was part of bringing her on, it's like, well, we have a sense of who Ashley is, but um, I guess as you listen to this episode, I continue to learn a lot from Ashley and mm-hmm. and sort of like feel inspired and empowered. And um, my, I mean, my curiosity is peaked. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then there's a deep kindred spiritness between the two of us, just in our love for youth ministry. But there's also a ton of crossover in terms of our love for just all pop culture, pop culture Steven Universe, hip hop whiskey, lots of fun (laughs) things. Um, but yeah, I think I, as you, as you all listen to this, I hope you pay attention to, okay, let me say it this way. Ashley is the second black queer woman ordained into the Presbyterian church USA, which is a major American Christian denomination. Big, big deal. Yeah. So I would say I'm interested in decentering straightness, decentering patriarchy, decentering whiteness. whiteness. Yeah. So that, that in, in terms of Christianity, 
those forces have had a, a, a say in things almost exclusively for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so somebody asked me today, actually on a zoom call, one of the leaders that we work with, like, how would you describe your theology right now? And I was like, it was kind of in the context of systematic theology. And I just said, you know, I, I don't know if I would describe my theology, quote unquote. It's like, I'm really interested in listening to other voices rather than the voices that raised me, especially voices that aren't like white German men. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's like, I, I love that we have a chance to just listen to Ashley, but also like, you know, this is serious, but it's also very playful. Mm-hmm. And we had so much fun. There was a lot of laughter and lightness. I mean, Ash is a colleague of ours. I mean, we're doing ministry with her yeah. and she's kind of bringing her own gifts. And I I felt really inspired by her and just the way that she shows up with her queerness and brings queer culture to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, she specifically, I mean, she talks quite a bit about this, but I'm like, this is so cool, but does drag shows at churches mm-hmm. and has a drag character that she does Sunday sermons with. And as it's just as a pastor and is so creative. So I, I, this was just such a special conversation because I think you're right. There's kindred spirits in that like, wow, we're, we get to work with these folks and we're doing youth ministry and there's imaginative ways to do it. And I feel like Ashley's just a testimony to that mm-hmm. in so many ways. Yeah, I told you I was going to make fun of a different type of podcaster, but I don't even know if it's necessary at this point. (laughs) I was just going to say, like, I feel compelled on this episode to really sell it because I believe in it so much. Like, (laughs) and I don't, I don't have that persona in me. Like, you do not want to miss this episode coming at you. (laughs) I feel like that (laughs) turns me off from an episode. (laughs) But I don't know how to authentically say this one. This one's really really good. uh, This one is really good. I mean, Scott and I were in the best moods ever after this interview. I was just like, this was such a special interview. And it's like about 30 minutes in, we just really started riffing all all of us. And it just was, it was a lesser, more curious conversation all throughout. Yeah. I guess that's our funny, quirky Mason Scott authentic way of saying this is a really good one. Check it out. Don't feel like trying to, we're trying to dupe you. It really, truly is. <laughs> okay. Uh, enjoy it, everybody. Um, we'll be back next week with a silly episode. A we very don't light episode. <laughs> but enjoy this conversation with Pastor Ashley. my bourbon and my popcorners and the only piece of Yankee memorabilia that I own here. That there it I is. Did not buy for a, for a Yankees game. I, I guess we're recording so we can just start talking like we were talking, which is great. But uh, I don't, Excellent. I don't own a Yankees hat because I feel like it, I would be like an imposter or something. I feel like New York people would call me out. They would ask you about a player yeah. and you wouldn't know. I mean, like, I feel like all you have to do is say something about A-Rod or Jeter and, like, you're fine. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably say something about Jay-Z or something. Does that give me something? Not for the Yankees. Okay, because I feel like the Yankees hat is so iconic. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like most people can just wear one and, like, no one actually cares. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care about the Yankees at all. Um, I barely care about baseball. Uh, I bought a Yankees hat because I live in the Bronx and because I live in the Bronx, I got my vaccine at Yankee stadium. 
Oh. Oh, there it is. And I like snapbacks and matching enough that I got a snapback with the light with like I got like the Yankees hat to wear to Yankee Stadium specifically when I got my vaccine. Oh my god. So goodness. I could take that picture in the stadium. That's good. Because I'm a ridiculous human. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's ridiculous. That's like the only reason. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's a it's an iconic moment, a memorable moment that needs to be captured and it sort of reminds me, this is going to be an inside joke for myself for a second, but like there's an episode of Seinfeld where Julie Louis-Dreyfus's character goes and uh, uh, Elaine um, goes to a, a, a Yankee game and wears like a Baltimore hat and everybody's asking her to take it off and she refuses. It. And that's like the scandal of the whole episode. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've been to literally one Yankee game and I got to go for free. Yeah. Was Ooh. it fun? Um, it was fun. I, I enjoyed myself. And also my friend who was a Seattle Mariners fan, I have a friend, I have like one friend from Seattle was there with me. Um, we got tickets for donating blood. Okay. Uh, during one of the hurricanes, I forget which one. Um, but they were playing Seattle and Seattle won. Oh, wow. That is a, a rare moment. <laughs> so I enjoyed myself cause I got to go to a free baseball game and she yeah. enjoyed herself cause they won. Oh, a double. How win. long ago was that? 2013. <laughs> okay. So seven years ago. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I haven't followed the Mariners in a long time, so I don't even know what who our team was at the time. But I haven't followed the Mariners since Ken Griffey Jr. So. Yeah, and I was a huge... I was obsessed with Ken Griffey Jr. I, I, that might have been the last time I cared about baseball. Yeah. Back when my team uh, was terrible. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> I am from Pittsburgh, and the Pirates didn't stop being terrible until like four years ago. Mm-hmm. And now they are fine. Griffey's probably arguably the biggest sports superstar we've had in Seattle. I mean, there's, there was like, Bigger than Wilson. Uh, Oh gosh. Well, yeah, maybe that's true. <laughs> I mean, I think probably bigger on an international level, you know, like, oh, okay. I mean, he's really huge and famous, but like, I don't know. I mean, Griffey also had a little bit more of a, a star power, you know, I don't know. I mean, Wilson's married to Ciara, so that's something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> we also had P- Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and the Sonics. That that was a big season for us. Or that big, is fair. Yeah. This well, is, here we are talking to Ashley, sports. everybody. This is sports with Ashley. <laughs> We're just with talk Ashley. <laughs> um. Well, Ashley, I'm so excited to talk to you, and you know, I heard a little bit of like your life story during our beloved Rise staff meetings, but. I think you have such a fascinating, compelling story. I don't know where you'd want to start uh, just telling us about yourself, but I, I think it'd be cool to hear a little bit about your journey becoming a pastor or, or how you sensed a call to that or however you'd want to start. <laughs> Mace knows I'm oh, always yeah. the most awkward, awkward at asking the question. Mace asks better questions than me. <laughs> it's a team. I mean, I, I like the, I like embracing the awkward. Um, I, think it, I think it was my maid of honor who's one of my best friends um, who described my relationship with my wife starting off as the two of us trying to out awkward each other. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, which is basically our relationship over the past eight years. Yeah. So like, I'm all about the awkward. Who's winning? Um, but back to your question. Um, yeah. Becoming a pastor, it was not supposed to go like this. It was not supposed to happen at all. Um, I 
spent a significant amount of my life being a church person, being a church kid and enjoying church and being like a pretty faithful person. And also like never in a million years thinking that a a human being like me uh, could ever be a pastor. Um, Oh, Ashley, let me me hit record on our zoom. Is that okay? Oh yeah. Yeah. Just in case I like having that backup, but this is a real vibe killer. This voice that's about to come. This meeting is being recorded. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. This is Great. this is the vibe killer. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're let's get back to the vibes. Good. The, the good vibes. <laughs> good vibes. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. Like this was not the plan um, at all. Because I, yeah, I was not supposed to be a pastor. Like it wasn't that I didn't necessarily want to, or that I did, wasn't like into stuff but it's like people like me didn't become pastors and it's not just the queer thing like i i had that thought even before i realized that i was a queer person mm-hmm. um because it, it was just sort of me yeah yeah like i when i was like little 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 like a baby little my parents were baptist because uh, they grew up baptist i don't particularly think they liked it um, we didn't stay Baptist. Like we didn't keep going to Baptist church. I think I stopped when I was like four or five. Uh, but we had these family friends and they had a son who was about my age and they had a daughter who was a couple years younger. And so I would like hang out with them. I would stay the night. And if I stayed the night on a Saturday, uh, we go to church with them on a Sunday, which is, I don't know if that's like a thing that like white people also do. Like that's a thing that like black church people do. Mm. Uh, you're staying tonight, you go to church. It's yeah, you know. no, I had that. I had that vibe growing up. Yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah. Um, and so they went to like a local Presbyterian church. And so like my home, I love my home church so much and they love me. And I feel like at this point, mm-hmm. like there are certain parts of my story that are like folklore, mm. which is awesome and also kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> and so like legend has it. Um <laughs> That the first time that I went to that church, it was the Sunday of the Christmas pageant. Mm. And they're one of those places where, like, if a kid shows up, uh, they don't, like, you don't just, like, sit down and watch. Like, they just throw you in it. So they, like, threw an angel costume on me. <laughs> Interesting. Which was, first which was nice. Yeah. Because, like, they just had, like, a bunch of angels. And, like, you didn't have any lines or anything. You just, like, walked forward. Yeah. So you didn't have to, like, do anything, which was nice of them in theory. And, like, as a kid, like, I was mildly annoyed because I wanted to be a shepherd. But, like, whatever. (laughs) It's all good. So you weren't, like, scared or anything. You just wanted to be a shepherd. Oh, I wasn't scared. It was just, like, I don't want to wear a white robe. Like, they have, like, the robes with the ties on it. Like, I want to wear, like, the bathrobe robe. Mm -hmm. Like, that seems way cooler. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to stick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I like... Back then, I did like baseball. So, I want to do the thing. Um, But, like, they still... They have a picture of this still. Like, it's somewhere on my Facebook. Um, And so, like, that was my first time going to that church. And I kept going... After that, like, I started going to Sunday school in, like, eighth grade, not eighth grade, like, fourth, fourth grade, I was eight years old. And I would go to, the plan was I was going to go to Sunday school there, and then my dad was going to pick me up, but 
I'm going to show my age here. I was like, well, I can just like hang out in the sanctuary until he comes to pick me up. And there weren't like cell phones back then. Right. So I'm just like this eight year old kid who's like not paying attention to anything. And I'm not like looking at my watch. So my dad is waiting for me. Oh no. And I'm like in the corner of the sanctuary and he's just getting mad. He's like, where the heck is this kid? And so he's like, you can't wait in the sanctuary. It's like, but I'm bored. I want to go on this thing. Like you take too long. Um, And so eventually like, my parents start coming to church because they're tired of waiting for me. <laughs> so, like, I kind of drag them to church for a while. Uh, eventually, I get old enough that I can, like, go on my own and I become, like, an acolyte and all that stuff. And, like, hmm. they like they still come to church. Not Maybe not as much, but they still come to church. Like, my, they do, like, come, like, elders and deacons and stuff like that. And I get, like, really involved in the church for a while. Um, eventually, I quit youth. Like, I joined youth group and then I quit. Um, partially because my church is really awesome and like liberal and progressive and welcoming, but like my youth leader at the time was like a super straight white guy. Oh yeah, super straight. "Eh, Whatever. (laughs) Uh, This guy's boring. Well, also like the church was pretty diverse and like the youth group was like super black, and I was like, who is this guy? Who's this guy? And I was like getting picked on, so I was like, I don't need this. Uh, I'm gonna go back with the rest of the congregation. Yeah, so like I'm I'm done with this. So I stopped going to that for a while, and then like they got a new youth leader. Or they got like a, a new person, and she was like super super nice. And she invited me to start doing stuff again. And I like took one look at her, and I'm like, "Who are you?" A little suspicious. Yeah. Oh, super suspicious. Yeah. Um, and like she's one of my best friends now. Like, okay. Was she like too like, nice? Like, you're like, so you're, you're too nice. What's going on here? Yeah, I don't trust. I don't trust super nice people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like. Over, overly earnest, sincere people. Um, I don't trust. Which I guess I was born to be a New Yorker. Then, yeah, that <laughs> sounds that right. Yeah, um, but like she's like she's been my my youth leader. She's been my youth pastor. She's been my mm. boss. She's mm. like she has been my mentor. Like she officiated my wedding. Like we're very close now. Love it. But she earned my trust. Yeah. Um, and so she got me to like come back and all that. And like, um, I. Like I participated in, um, what do you call it? Uh, like confirmation youth Sunday. Oh yeah. Like I was, I was one of the seniors who did youth Sunday. Um, I didn't go to church like every week when I was in college. Cause I was in college. Yeah. Um, <laughs> doing college. Things. But like I, I went to, I went to college in the same city that I went to, that I was lived in. So like I could go to church and sometimes I did. And like, I would even take my friends sometimes cause um, some of them were Christian and the yeah. others won't, would humor me. Um, so I never really lost that connection. And then when I graduated, um, I graduated with a degree in creative writing and a minor in drama. So mm. like a degree in you are going to make no money yeah. <laughs> with a minor in <laughs> I thought. and like, I applied to grad school and did not get in. And so I had no plan. Dang. What kinds of um, grad programs were you applying to? I was applying to dramatic writing programs because I really okay. wanted to be a playwright. Like, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Originally, I thought I was going to be um, a fiction writer. Oh, cool. And then I thought I was either going to be a playwright or a dramaturg, hmm. which is sort of like a theater researcher person. And, like, 
at no and like I was still doing like church stuff, but at no point did I think I was gonna like work for a church long term because like I was going to church and I like church, but when I looked at like leadership, it was middle aged to older white guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, they <Yep>. were straight, <laughs> older than you. Okay. Um, they were straight. They were married. Mm-hmm. Um, I came out between junior and senior year of college so like once that happened it was like no um they were like kind of proper and very academic-y mm-hmm, and serious mm-hmm. and I'm like you are like 21 and a goofball who eats chocolate cake for breakfast like no no mm-hmm. one is taking you serious like you're not you want to race seven-year-olds in the basement on scooters yeah. like what are you doing like there's not a model you for playing, you. you stayed up watching Rocco's Modern Life. Like, oh, you are not a pastor. what a great throwback. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are not a pastor. <laughs> it's like, you are barely a functional adult. Yeah. Um, and still, I like the pastor at my church approaches me while I'm working vacation Bible school and basically tells me, like, hey, so the you like the person who's in charge of like children are not even children. It's like a Christian ed ministry is leaving. We are restructuring things. Hmm. So we have like this, essentially like this, you like Christian ministry or like, what is it? A Christian ed assistant. So like a mm-hmm. youth leader position opening mm-hmm. your name came up, hmm. pray on it and let us know if you want this job. And then he like walks away. I'm like, what was it? Did it feel so random? It was, oh, I was felt super random. Because, hmm. like, I had been a bit, I had been like volunteering for vacation Bible school since I was 10. I was 21 at the time. It was the first year where they let me be, like, they asked me to be a teacher instead of just like an aide or like a helper. Um, and they either trusted me or set me up because they made my mom my assistant. Hmm. I love it. Which. <laughs> The only person who is more headstrong and has more personality than me is my mother. So, it's oh like, boy, that's saying that's this? saying something. <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I am a reaction to my parents. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we all are in a way. But, yeah. Um, and so it's like, oh, okay, yes, this sounds fun, and also I, I don't have a plan. So mm-hmm. like a part-time job at the church sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I like I like it here. I like kids. And so I basically become this youth leader and everybody's like, oh, you should go to seminary. You should do this. And I'm like, oh. no, <laughs> I ate a cookie for breakfast <laughs> and overslept and showed up 15 minutes before Sunday school started. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a seven-year-old asking me how to put on drag makeup. <laughs> No. <laughs> Seminary is not in the cards. Yeah. I mean, I feel like th- there's been, there's been points along the way of, as I've been getting to know you that I feel like there's a lot of kindred spirits. It, it, that's one of them too. It's like, I've always been a late night person. Any church job I've ever worked for, I'm always sort of, I'm always, you know, if there's an eight o'clock meeting, it's, it's going to be a struggle for me to get to that eight o'clock meeting. <laughs> the The greatest situation i've had um my friend the 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 youth leader who Mm -hmm. i didn't trust Mm -hmm. at that point was my boss Mm -hmm. we had we had a spoken agreement 
that we would never have a meeting before 10 a.m. Gold. Oh, that's well, I love this person. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, she's the best. Yeah. Um, and so like I'm doing this, I have like other jobs. Um, I was working at my alma mater doing deliberate democracy stuff. I worked for a reproductive justice organization, uh, doing get out the vote stuff. And then I go to grad school finally. Yeah. Uh, for theater arts for two years. Um, and I'm absolutely convinced that I'm going to study theater through the lens of like how uh, religion plays into theater. Hmm. And then I show up and like two days into orientation, it's like, oh, you got this backwards. Like you're going to study religion and how theater plays into that. Hmm. But you're here. So you're going to do the other thing first. Wow. Hmm. So you just, that was sort of like a, an intuition thing. That's what you thought once you got there, you're like, was was it that you were more interested in religion at that point or you're becoming more interested in religion? It wasn't even like an either or situation. Like I love them both. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of like in my, in my gut and in my head, like everything clicked and it was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> other way okay cool you're gonna <laughs> you're here though so we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna rock this yeah uh so i did that for two years um i my program was mostly academic so it was mm. a lot around like theory and history and like different styles of theater and stuff like that which was really cool and i actually sort of backdoor focused on like tech hmm um, I had, I start. I picked up an interest in undergrad on, uh, for sound design. And so I ended up doing like a lot of sound design. I worked for a year in the scene shop. Um, I got to design a couple of shows while I was there. I really mm. liked it mm. to the point that when I finally did realize that I should apply for seminary, my backup plan was the like the tech director um, at my scene shop had an opportunity for like a theater he was working on to pull in an apprentice. So had I not gotten into seminary, I could have done a sound apprenticeship. Hmm. So that could have been what a, a backup plan, a whole different path. <laughs> I, I think we talked and, about this one time of just you being a little bit uh, nitpicky with or persnickety maybe with uh, sound stuff in general, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I have my baby right here. There you go. What 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 uh, kind of microphone is that? That is a shore. Yeah, that's the one. That's um, like that's like the Porsche of microphones. Yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the everybody's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's radio show mic. Yeah. One day. Um, no, I always wanna I always I'm always like you know, we've upgraded our equipment a few times. I'm always like hovering over the purchase of that microphone and i'm like no not yet maybe someday it'll be a it reward money. okay <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. i did, i there are my, i have a lot of microphones i think i one one two three four i have at least five in this apartment that's awesome um, I didn't pay for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I think I paid for three. No, I have six in the apartment and okay. I paid for three of the six. Nice. I forgot. I, I forgot. I got one as a gift. 
Oh, yeah. that's a nice, what a fun gift. It's a funny thing when we listen to podcasts, cause we pass a lot of podcasts back and forth to each other. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I guess now that Mace is in this grad program, there's, we're, we're finding a lot of like niche academic podcasts and these people all sound like they're in a basement or at the bottom of a pool somewhere talking in a tape recorder. And I'm like, what is going on with these people? I, I don't know if our sound I mean, is the best. Yeah, that's a or choice. In some cases, it's not a choice. <laughs> right. right. I, I just think a lot of people aren't really thinking about their audio, but I'm just like, gosh, that would be the first thing I'm thinking of. If you're going to start a podcast, make sure you just get a simple microphone. You can get a microphone for like 20 bucks. I know there's a podcast with the best content ever, but it's like hit or miss. It's like, Oh, sometimes the audio is just a little too bad and I can handle pretty bad audio. It's like nails on a chalkboard. It's like someone's like cooking a meal in the background. Uh, (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) I, I had a former student of mine. Um, Cause he started doing YouTube videos and he was like, what kind of microphone should I get? And it was such an interesting conversation. Cause he's like 14. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do I tell? What, how do I answer this question for this 14 year old? <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, I'm just going to describe to you the quality, like how the microphone that you want should work. Yeah. And then you're going to buy the one that your parents can afford. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like look for the one that has this shape on the thing. Yeah. 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 And that plugs into USB. That's what you want. That's what you want. <laughs> 20 bucks. Yeah. Go right into your one. computer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when, so I'm, so I'm working at this church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to grad school and uh, there's the, the, my church has a, there's an intern uh, and his name is Brian and uh, I have brought I have said this to Brian's face okay. and so I don't feel bad about saying this on a podcast uh, so first of all when I met him uh, Brian was like in his mid 20s or so he looked 15 yeah <laughs> um, he is he has since grown a beard so he does not look 15. I feel like if he shaved it, he would still look 15. Yeah. He's a very, very young looking face. <laughs> um, he is a blonde white guy, blonde straight white guy from Iowa. He is a giant prankster. Um, he literally pranked the entire church <laughs> uh, for April Fool's Day. Literally everybody in, I think he repeated some of his pranks, but never more than like, Two people per prank. Okay. Like just total jokester and all. How did how did he prank the whole church? What did he do? Um he left a message on my desk that somebody called me. Mr. Lyon called me and about something about like enrolling his kid in a program, Mm -hmm. and it was the Pittsburgh Zoo. Oh. (laughs) Um he went through (laughs) and he taped down that little like latch yeah on the on the phones Mm -hmm. so that when they rang you would never actually be able to pick them up because the thing never caught that's great (laughs) um we got a mini cake he let me in on this one we got a mini cake and cut out the center and put a balloon inside and then put it back put the top back on and so it pops so what pop and we cut it for our youth group kids because we had like fourth through sixth graders. Look at this great cake, everybody. Oh man, that's that's cruel. Uh, nope. no, my favorite no was my friend, my boss. He went into her word program 
and set it so that every time she typed in the word the, oh, no. it was set to replace it with the funny thing about April Fool's Day. <laughs> oh, <is>. that's good. <laughs> she thought she had a virus. <laughs> Oh man! So he yeah, just pranked. Like, he pranked everyone by doing individual pranks with everyone. Yeah, like he. I, I think he had like two people per prank, but like he did that to pretty much everybody he worked with in the building. Okay, I always want to be a prankster. I wish I could, but it seems like it takes so much energy to to think of those oh, ideas. I don't know how he did. Yeah, like. I, I don't know where he found the time. Right. I couldn't be a prankster because I feel I have like a guilt complex that would arise. If anybody was mad at me for doing the prank, I would not be able to handle it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of these pranks are pretty low. I mean, right. calling the zoo doesn't seem like it was going to like hurt somebody or anything, you know? No. Yeah. Part of my, my issue is I go between either really like, I can do a really good prank, but then I have to keep a straight face or I can do like a really diabolical prank. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, that was good, but it was also kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, and it's like, eh, I got to live with myself on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and like, he's an amazing dude. He's a great minister, but I remember like watching him and it's like, wait a second, this guy's going to be a minister. Hmm. This guy, if this guy can be a minister, mm. I can be a minister. Mm-hmm. And I eat cake and so for remember, breakfast. Even with the chocolate cake for breakfast. And so <laughs> I remember like one day I was, I was like cleaning up after, after, um, after our, our youth group was done for the evening and I was killing time because if I killed enough time, then I could get my boss to drive me home. Um, and so I was, I packed up all the board games and stuff that we had and I was pushing them in the hallway and, in the Bible it talks about having like that still small, like the still small moment where like you feel God. And I just like had that moment mm-hmm. just alone in this hallway where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you can do this. Mm-hmm. And I realized that's like, okay, all right, you can do this. And it's like, but you like, you've never seen anybody like you. And even with like, and like once again, like not even just the part where I was like openly bisexual, and I I started seminary literally right after the Presbyterians changed the rules about LGBT ordination. Like mm-hmm. literally, I think it officially happened in May of 2011, and I started in August. Wow! So I I was just kind of like, eh, dumb rules are meant to be broken. Like I'll just do it anyway. Like whatever. But like I was really brushing against the line there. Yeah. And then even even beyond that, it was just like, I don't know any black women, mm-hmm. let alone like black queer women who are Presbyterian ministers. Like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, maybe I don't know anybody like this because I'm supposed to do that. Mm. I love that. And so I did. And uh, now I do. <laughs> I did. And I none. do. Yeah. But now I do know some. Yeah. Hmm. I I am friends with, I think most of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still, I'm sure, a, there are some I'm, I don't know, but I know a lot. Still yeah. a small circle. Very small circle. Black women in the Presbyterian Church are a small circle. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not a direct lineage from like John Knox to Ashley, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nevertheless. <laughs> um. I mean, that's really funny thing. Just again, just naming the, the 
I don't know, call it privilege or what, but it's like the, the natural, like, like my grandpa was a Presbyterian pastor. My dad's a Presbyterian pastor and we have a deep Scottish lineage too. So it was like my grandpa's church was John Knox Presbyterian church. And we, we would wear kilts and there would always be bagpipes. And it was just like, just part of our upbringing, you know? Um, it just felt so natural, but, uh, what, what, um, so when did you end up deciding to go to seminary? I went to seminary. I applied in 2011. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started. I graduated in 2014. I applied to four schools. I got into two of them. Um, so I had to choose between McCormick in Chicago and Union Theological in New York. And my mother makes fun of me for this. Because uh, she never believed it was a choice. Mm-hmm. She was like, like, you were going to New York the whole time. It's like, no, I was legitimately considering. It's like, you've been talking about New York since you were 17. Like, what are mm-hmm. you talking about? Yeah. Um, so I ended up at, at Union in New York, uh, which was awesome. And I got to do some of the most amazing things uh, in my life. Um, I created a drag a Mardi Gras drag show and drag chapel there for, I, I hosted it for three years. It went on for at least, I think there were at least four or five of them. That's amazing. Um, I met my wife there. She proposed at the fourth of those drag shows. (laughs) I love that. In drag. This is a seminary folks. Was she also in seminary? Mm -hmm. Yeah. She came the year after me. Okay. So is she also an ordained pastor? Yep, she is ordained in the Dang. Unitarian Church, mm-hmm. and uh, Unitarian wh- Universalist Church. I need to get that right before I get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> and works on Staten Island, right? She works in Staten Island. Yeah, which is sad that she didn't get the Wu Tang reference the other day. <laughs> so she is originally from uh, a suburb of Cleveland. Okay, <laughs> and like she was one of those. First of all, she's very white. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, she was one of those kids where, like, her parents wouldn't even let her watch, like, Nickelodeon or Disney Channel. Like, she was strictly a PBS kid. Yeah. And so, she has... God bless her. She has worked very hard on, like, her hip-hop knowledge. Okay. <laughs> um, so, she does know the Wu-Tang Clan is from Staten Island. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's not keeping track of all of the nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> Just like she knows that Bone Thugs and Harmony is from her neck of the woods. Yep. Oh man, that's another throwback. Um, I don't thing. think she could name all of all of the bones. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I can. She could either. probably name at least one crazy of the bones. Crazy bone, crazy bone is the only one I know. Yeah, I think crazy bone, yeah. lazy bone, lazy bone, <laughs> all the bones. Tell me what you are gonna a lot do. Of bones. Yeah, man. They're thuggish, ruggish. Yeah, dang, they were big for a while. That's a high school throwback. Dang. Um, yeah, I want. I get very distracted. Like, what is happening? So, so, <laughs> no, but, but also, there was no Rocco's Modern Life for her because no Nickelodeon, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah. I so get to sad. hear about. I watch PBS, and she pulls out shows that I've never even heard of, and I'm yeah. like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm. I'm. I guess I'm derailing us, but Union. I mean, that just sounds. I mean, that's that's ultimately the one. I you, I've told you this before, but I am so jealous because I know there's a lot of famous teachers that were there, but the ones that have influenced me the most were Paul Tillich and James Cone and Reinhold Niebuhr. And I'm like the fact that they were there and 
I know there's a lot of good teachers there still, but um, I was jealous <laughs> and I'm jealous. Wasn't him. I mean, jealous. I studied under one of them. Yeah. 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 James Cone, which I'm also very jealous of. And that's really cool and special that you got to do that. Yeah. He's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> he's, it's very funny. Cause he, he started every lecture the same way. How was it? For his intro class. What did he do? It was, it, I'm, okay, so first of all, I do a terrible impression of James Cone, so I apologize. I would want to try, uh, but, but I think it'd be inappropriate. But I, I would love to try. Because well, it was all, yeah. Because every, it always talks about, like, regardless of what the theology was, and to, like, he did an excellent job of just the diversity of theology mm-hmm. and just, like, covering so much. Like, I feel like I got such an amazing depth of education uh, in that class. But everything was about, like, you got to do the theology for yourself <laughs> every every week, and it's like that is correct. <laughs> got it. That is I, 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 nothing else. I'm gonna take that with me. I think that's and a B, B plus James Cone impersonation. That was pretty good. I mean, I've seen Anna Devere Smith do it. So okay, that that probably is is that better <laughs> than yours? Oh yeah, like yeah. she's performed it okay. like okay. <laughs> on stage. Okay, like, that's her job. Awesome. <laughs> I didn't realize that. You were you studied under James Cone. That's pretty. That's really cool. I only read James Cone because of you. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. I I I just I like that prompt of having to do theology for yourself. I'm curious, like what that meant for you unfolding as you did this program. Um. And I guess still now. I mean, it's interesting. Like. Ooh, do I want to say this? <laughs> you don't Let's have see. to. I can always edit something <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm okay. going to say it. I'm going to say it and risk getting myself in trouble. Okay. <laughs> um, so I feel like it worked out. It worked out um, for better and for worse. On the one hand, I feel like it's really encouraging and empowering. Um, in that. It, it, I think it's empowering in the sense that when you're going through and you're looking at different theologies and you're finding that and you're not finding things that resonate with you or that make sense for you, mm-hmm. that it encourages you to do your own theology and it reminds you that you can be a theologian. And like, I mean, like I, I like to remind myself that like they're making it up. Yes. Yes. Like we hold <laughs> theologians on like these high pedestals. Everybody's making it up. It's just a bunch of people trying to make sense of of scripture and God and a bunch of stuff that at its core doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah. And they're just trying to find explanations for things um, that work in their context. And like, it doesn't work in every context. Not everybody's theology is going to work for you. And sometimes none of the theology is going to work for you and you have to make theology that works for you. But that doesn't mean that like somebody is better or worse than you or whatever. Like, they're making it up. Yes. We're all making it up. And so like, just because some dude, like some old white dude read a bunch of books and wrote it down a hundred or 200 years ago, doesn't mean that they're better or smarter than you. I love that. Or that they're more authentic than you. Like there's no gatekeeper to the truth. Just like do some research, use some common sense, add some context and like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> That's it. There. We got to, we got to make those three bullet points and put them on a t-shirt that you could wear around. Um, Ashley. <laughs> and then having said that, I also feel like 
it is possible. And like, and I'm going to say this because I know of people who have challenged who, when he was alive, challenged him on this, Hmm. that it is very easy to sort of use this idea of you have to do the theology for yourself as a way to not push oneself to do theology that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To not push yourself to put your, to like consider somebody else's experience. So like, um, I'm not, I'm going to stop putting him on the spot because he cannot defend himself anymore. James um, but like, yeah. if, like if, if a trans person came up to me and asked me something theological and I said, well, you have to do the theology for yourself. Like that's a true statement. And also like, I can try to understand something about trans theology as like a cis person. Like I can't create that theology. That's not my place, but I can try to understand it and try to do some of that work. Like I don't just have to sit there and be like, teach me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like, no. Yeah. That's what I can said. work on it too. And then as a like, teacher, I can, I can work on educating myself as well. Yeah. And then, and then as a teacher, I think this kind of, I love what you said. Cause I think that sort of informs my philosophy of our youth group. And it's, it's just, it's this idea of like really trying our best to empower the students to create theology for themselves. Right. And, and I'm always telling you, you don't have to agree with me. And I, and I think they're so surprised. I'm like, this isn't about like me giving you the teaching and you, understanding it and absorbing it and agreeing. And I think it shocks people, but it's like, yeah, don't necessarily force or, or, uh, what is it? Um, teach me, but sometimes we can give people tools to do their theology, you know? Right. And that's what I find to be pretty fun. <laughs> well, and just knowing that it's like, it's never isolated. Like you do theology for yourself. And then also because we're interconnected, doing it for yourself implies that you would therefore need to do theology that works for other people because like it's we're all we're all tied together in the end of the day yeah exactly yeah i would also like to point out that do theology for yourself brought about two of the the most important theologies that have happened in the past 20 30 40 years um because uh dolores williams with Sisters in the Wilderness and mm-hmm. Womanist Theology was a student of James Cone, yeah. as was Patrick Chang with, uh, with like queer theology. So like, it's not like he wasn't saying things to people who like didn't take that and change the game. Yeah. 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 I just downloaded the Sisters in the Wilderness as a potential summer that read. So, so. that's one of, <laughs> that's one of my favorite, my favorite reads. Um, you know, I, I'm encouraged by this and I'll just name, I'll just say for myself, I'm at a school right now that's a psychology school, but it's a psychology and theology school. And I got my undergrad in theology and then kind of got disenchanted and walked away in a lot of ways from like theological thinking. And I just recently had a paper that was in many ways, like, what is your theological anthropology was like the question, like, what, what is your idea of human flourishing was what we were asked. And through the process, I came up with like my own weird theology. And I was like, this is, I, I think for so long, I was like, when I was first studying theology, it was like, here's these images of God. And it's like almost like passed down, but it's like, no, we ourselves are just always reflecting back these images. And so like, we have permission to say what we think God is because our lives are living it. And it, it, it has to be rooted in our being or, or what's the point of these images of God. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. I mean, that yeah, was, I want to read that book. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, not that, that you have to write it, but like <laughs> if you did, I would read it. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and that was something that was just really helpful for me. And we've interviewed her twice on the podcast, which was Christina Cleveland talking about the Black Madonna. And I was just like, oh, we can have different images for Jesus. I know that sounds so basic, but like I didn't go to Union. I went to Fuller, so we didn't really talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a classmate who was getting a PhD at Union who went to Fuller. Oh wow! <laughs> and those conversations were wild. <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> she she's also like one of the hardest working people I've ever met. Yeah, I always say about Fuller, like I feel like it gave me good tools, um, and then and then people assume like, oh, I just think exactly like fuller i'm like no no i but that was the thing it's like i asked you i was like i don't this is the crazy thing and it's like i didn't know very many black theologians and i wanted to read black theologians i knew willie jennings you know that was it (laughs) um and mace was like oh you should read james cone and i was like oh okay and then obviously opened up a whole new world for me but like yeah you can you can get beyond your seminary if you want to but yeah it's interesting um being out here. Did you read Kate Cannon? No, 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 no. But her no, name is coming Katie up for me. Cannon. I know. Dang it. <laughs> we You're can, Presbyterian. We what can, are you doing? We can start a book study together, Ashley, for, with Katie. Uh, Dude, about you're Presbyterian. Katie <laughs> yeah, you got to read Katie Cannon. <laughs> Who, fun fact, it was the aunt, is, I don't know how this works, the aunt of Nick Cannon. Really? Wait, like Nick Cannon, the... Like Nick Cannon just had twins. Yeah. Wild and out. Wow. Married to Mariah Carey, Nick Cannon. The aunt, <laughs> huh? Was theologian, first PhD at Union. That's wild. Wild and I don't know why, smokes. but that is like really funny to me. That is. It's real funny. She does not think, she did not think he was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think Nick Cannon is that funny, but um, I like Nick Cannon. <laughs> he's he's definitely got a charismatic personality. <laughs> um, so so then what happened he's after Union? On the Mass Singer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened after seminary? Um. So I hit my I hit my third year of seminary. My wife's in her second year of seminary. Uh, we are dating at that time, and trying to figure out like, okay what do we do? I need a future. <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> and one of, one of my good friends who was living in Brooklyn sends me, I'm like, I, I need to look for a job. And she sends me this um, job listing. And it's like, you can like, you would be good at this. Apply. I'm checking in in three days or something like that. Awesome. Oh, that's nice. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and it's for this director of Christian ed position at this church, like down on the Upper West Side called Rutgers Presbyterian. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I guess I could do this. Um, and I, I'm reading the job description. It's like, yeah, I've like, I've done most of these things. Like, I'm selling myself short reading the whole thing. It's like, I, I, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I apply. It's pretty late in the game, but I get, I get a thing back. I go to interview. I'm terrified out of my mind. I am notoriously bad at job interviews. Um, I have a hard time believing that, but. Oh, I'm, I'm very bad at job interviews. I have gone to many job interviews and gotten very few seconds. Do you get nervous or what happens? Super nervous. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
so go in and I don't I don't know why I do this <laughs> like I just go in and it's like authenticity is, is just wins and it's like you don't have to do that um, <laughs> the first I'd, I'd love that about I you though was what like they're, they start off and they're like, oh, well, we're a progressive church and we have like LGBT families. And how do you feel about that? It's like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. That's why I applied here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to be defensive about that. We can all calm down. <laughs> I feel we, we all feel good about this. Yeah. Um, and so the first question they asked me besides that is what's something in the week that made you happy? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I can just answer that like a normal person, or I can test your theory and test what you just said. <laughs> Let's test this. <laughs> Let's be as honest as possible. Well, I hosted a drag show. Yeah. Mm. That made me happy. Oh. So like, <laughs> honestly, my first answer, and it's like, all right, now do we see how job interviews don't go yeah. well for me always. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh. Interesting. Interesting. Like, yep. And so we continue with the interview and I go home and I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens. Um, I feel and, like that's wise. It's like, get all the cards on the table then, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know what you're getting. Exactly. Um, so like I do more interviews with them. Long story short, I get that job. Yes. Uh, and I'm like, incredibly amazed and like oh my gosh i have a job it's incredible and in hindsight i probably should have made better decisions around (laughs) what i agreed to oh no Um, but i was i was excited to have a job and also didn't know how much time i could take between them offering me the job and saying like yes i will start the job so i graduated and then I started the job two weeks later. Oh boy, oh. that's a lot. No uh, transition. Yeah, so I, I started pretty quickly, and I it's like, all right, so I'm here. I have this job. We're good. I'm I'm like a director of Christian education. I can do this. I, I like working with youth. Like this is this is my call. Like I came into seminary being like I'm going to be a youth pastor, and I left seminary being like I'm going to be a youth pastor. This was never a question. Um. So I'm going to be here for like, what, a year, two years. Like my wife's going to graduate and then we're going to move or whatever. It'll be fine. And three years in, <laughs> they start having conversations with me. Oh, and the, the thing that they made very clear was that this is a non-ordained position. Uh. And it's like, yo, yeah, that's fine. Like I'm in the middle of my process. I got to yeah. finish my test. It's great. I'll work here for a couple of years. I'll pass my test and like my wife will graduate. I'll be done. Three years in. Uh, my tests are passed. Uh, my wife is working. She's doing internships uh, for her process because the UU process is insane. Yeah, I just want people to appreciate, and and you and I know this, and we've talked about it, and Ashley's really on my case about ordination, but the process is so... We're getting you ordained. Yeah, I love that. The process is is rigorous. It is rigorous. You know, I would rather join fraternity. It's a less <laughs> painful hazing process. Yeah. That sounds that that really puts Thank you it for somewhere. That. Thank you it for is that. a much less. It is a shorter and less painful hazing process. Right, right. My father, uh, 
God rest his soul. My father was in a fraternity and he had on his arm a brand of an Omega. Like literally, they took a hanger and heated it up and branded an Omega for his fraternity. Like an actual brand. I wouldn't want that. (laughs) I would not want it either. It was less painful than going through the ordination process. (laughs) I would, I would take that trade off. This is music to Scott's That's very nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as you're saying that, I want listeners who don't know about it to know, like, it's a lot. Like, it's not like you were just like, it's a lot playing video games at home. It's like, there's a lot of work you need to do. You know, there's a lot of work and a lot of how it goes honestly depends on where in the country you are and what requirements they're putting you through and what denomination you're in. Because uh, some denominations are better than others, and some people get to go through easier than others, mm-hmm. depending on who you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I told you, I'm still, I'm, I am Side ordained eyes. through World Christian Ship Ministries, so I can do weddings in Washington. But, but no, not I not to PCSA. I I may have a a universal life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> may or may not be there as well. That, that may I may have needed that for an emergency situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my ordination process took two and a half years. Yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hey. So three years in, uh, the church is asking, "Hey, if we made your position ordainable, would you be interested in staying?" Hmm. And I'm like, "Yes." And so this long convoluted thing starts where we end up sort of partnering with a local seminary and there's a woman who's affiliated with them who is also a bisexual minister who is independently wealthy and she's like a benefactor for them. And so she creates this fellowship that I end up being a part of. Um, and so they're trying to get me ordained through this fellowship and uh New York City Presbytery does not want to hear that. Mm. And it's this whole back and forth about like whether or not we're breaking the rules, which we weren't, but they didn't want to like acknowledge that. And so this process that should have taken maybe a year or so ends up taking two and a half years. Oh, um, and hurts. so this it, it takes forever and it is totally uncertain and I am absolutely miserable and legitimately convinced that like, oh, cool. This is how I quit ministry. Hmm. Yeah. This it ends it here. Ends. This is how it ends. This is how I leave the church. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to get ordained and I'm going to quit my job and like, oh, great. Sound design. This is what we're going back to. Sound design. Because like, I'm out. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, that's, because that's it didn't make, it did not make sense to me to have a calling this strong and to have come that far and to have a church even that was like backing me and affirming me and like knowing that like God was on my side here mm-hmm. and it was the people that were blocking me hmm. um, for reasons that didn't really make sense to me. And they were all like, it was procedural. It was like, like he, here's what we think the rules say. And it wasn't even what the rules actually said. It's what they thought the rules said. Mm. And so, because we don't think that you're following our interpretation of these rules, the answer is no. Mm. And it's like, it's or so you could just get out of the way. We're not actually breaking any rules. And quite frankly, this is a win for everyone. It is mostly a win for you. Cause like you actually have to claim history here. There's like 
not that many queer, openly queer ministers, right. especially black ones. Right. Um, you have you literally in this presbytery have the first, the second, and the third openly gay black male ministers. Hmm. Do you want the first openly queer black woman since the rules changed? You could have it. It's right here. It's yeah. right here. <laughs> and then you took too long and you got the second. Yeah. Mm. Um, I am friends with the first. She's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and like, and we literally had conversations like, which one of us is it going to be? <laughs> Whose process is more ridiculous? Gosh. It's, um, it's like little mini governments. Yes. These, the, the, like, the way to put it. These churches. It's like. Is, is Bertram one of the first men? In, he's the first. Yeah. He's the first openly gay black man to go through since G106B or whatever it is. Did he come to rebel one time? Yeah. Yeah. That was and he, it, it, that's one of the fun connections because he, he did a lot of stuff with me here in Seattle. I was like, mm-hmm. the first time I ever even heard the phrase white privilege is because Bertram taught me. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. I didn't know about that. Um, he is incredible. And yeah. he is one of the reasons that I got through, mm-hmm. honestly. Just like him and Eric Thomas and uh, Derek McQueen and Ananda Barclay just had my back so mm. much and were so supportive and just were just so lovely. Like Bertram, anytime he was near the church, would just come up to my office and just like, how are you? Mm. Oh, I'm fine. No, how are you? Yeah. And would just actually like check on me. And after I got ordained February 18, 2018, um, and I got ordained in my home church in Pittsburgh, but then they did something in September of 2018, uh, back at Rutgers where I was working. And there's a picture of myself, Derek, Eric, and Bertram um, that on that day. And like, I love that because it's just like family. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like it literally just feels like a family portrait. Hmm. Dang, honestly, if if after this, in the next few days, if you can find that picture, that'd be really cool to post a picture of that because that does seem so profound. Oh, it's like on, it's like the second or third picture on like my Facebook thing. I okay, I'll just go find it. Send that to you now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's very easy to find. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just love this, this uh, journey of, I mean, I guess it's a cliche thing to think of like what a, what it makes a quote unquote, a good leader is a, like a reluctant leader, you know? And it's like you, you had the passion and the gift to like obviously work with youth and stuff. And you had a passion for church and God or theology. I don't know how you describe it exactly, but, but uh, always thinking like this, like, could I actually do this? You know, and having encounters or conversations along the way where it was sort of confirmed but there was still a lot of struggle, it seems like, and a lot of barriers, obviously. Yeah. So I recognize that this is audio. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see you now, so I'm going to show you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when I got ordained, I got this guy. Oh. And for the listeners, I on my left forearm, like way, way up top, I have a tattoo of a fish with a little stick figure guy praying inside of it. Yeah. And it's representative of Jonah praying inside the mm. fish, which is the, uh, which was my ordination text actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a lot of connection to that specifically because uh, in the story of Jonah, 
Jonah gets asked to like go deliver this message to the people of Nineveh. And he's like, nah, you don't want to do it. And so he literally runs in the opposite direction and gets on a boat and it's just like, peace out. And God is upset with him and like sets a storm and everybody else is freaking out and he's asleep. Like he's, he is totally checked out. He's not about this. And he finally wakes up and it's like, what's going on? And he realizes like, oh, all this is happening because of me. Yeah. Toss me overboard. And so he gets tossed overboard and most people think like, oh, he gets eaten by a fish. And it's like, no, God sent the fish mm-hmm. so that he didn't drown. Mm-hmm. And when he gets, when he gets eaten by the fish, he realizes like that, that he's been saved and he's ready. And he does this very long prayer where he acknowledges that his life has been spared and that he's ready to do what God has called him to do. And when he finishes that prayer, the fish spits him out on dry land hmm. so that he can go do the call that God has given him. Hmm. And that's kind of what I feel like. Hmm. Um, having gone through all of this nonsense and questioned so many things and just been like, nah, I'm not doing any of this and this is ridiculous and like this is not for me. And then just sort of realizing, like, no, this is the call I got to do, and I'm ready for it. And now I'm on dry land. So mm. let's mm. be about that life. I love it. <laughs> um, wow. That's, that, that's really sweet. That is what's so fun about being a pastor or just talking theology or Bible in general is these like familiar passages sort of go stale, so to speak. And you get to share some information like that. And it, it, it's like, that phrase that will preach or whatever. It's like most people do assume this fish was coming to like punish Jonah. Uh, and so you just drop that little bit of information in a sermon. People are like, wait, what? <laughs> That's what's so fun. I mean, just this last week at rebel, I got to talk about like what the new Testament Jesus really meant by like the kingdom of heaven and heaven and our relationship with heaven. And people are like, what? I was like, no, no, this is like Orthodox theology folks. You know, this oh, isn't, yeah. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I kept saying I'm not talking trash and I, what I want to say is I'm not talking <laughs> shit, but I was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> want to keep it youth group appropriate, I guess, but nobody would care if I said that. But I was like, <laughs> um, the amount that I beautiful. try not to swear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's also why I'm, why I can't play, you know, in youth group anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just causes too much. It's funny because we're all trying yeah, not to swear. The only time like, I've sworn in front of my youth is during Uno. Yeah. Like, ooh, this is a bad look. Kids, <laughs> kids are trying not to swear around me, and I'm like, hey, it's totally cool. But then I'm also trying not to swear around kids. Like, we're all trying not to swear around each other for some reason. But whatever. I definitely do swear around kids. Oh, well, that's fine. You do you. I mean, <laughs> nobody's complained or anything. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I think it depends on the age of the child. Yeah, yeah not like kids' kids. 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like 12-year-olds, I'm like, Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> like a 16 year old. It's like not in the church van. Come on. But other than that, like I don't care. Not in the church van. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's been very, or- it's van. been very organic at my house. It's like, I have a 15 and 17 year old now, which sounds crazy to say, but it was like, yeah, we we're sort of a generally no swearing house. And then eventually my kids start listening to certain music and eventually that music gets played in the car and eventually it's getting played at the house. And eventually we're watching movies and eventually we're like, 
I guess we swear around each other, you know, uh, but Scott also I, just doesn't, you just, also I don't really don't swear, swear, but I, it just doesn't feel natural to me. It's not a moral thing in any way, but the few times I've tried to swear at my house casually, my daughter just goes, don't, don't do that again. Don't do that again. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, like I grew up, I grew up in a black household. So like yeah. <laughs> that, that's the respect line. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I'm, I'm an adult and if I'm, if I'm about to swear, as like a 30 something year old in front of my mother, I always go like, mm. like, look, I'm going to apologize in advance, mm-hmm. but I have to say this. Mm-hmm. He was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> this Thank you for that disclaimer and that caveat. Thank you for preparing me. It's a sign of respect. Like yeah. I can't come into my mom's house and start swearing. Like, yeah, I don't want to find out what's going to like, well, I mean, I know what's going to happen. So it's Okay, I have two questions. One, I'm curious more what happened then after. I'm like, okay, wait, there's, I feel like there's still a few more years left in the story. But two, I'm curious eventually to hear how your, like, your interests and expertise in theater has shaped you as a pastor. Because I feel like I imagine that being a very beautiful, like, interwoven way in which your theater background and drama background and drag like interests really informs you as a pastor. Ooh, I don't even know what, which one day I'm going to answer the first one first. Cause I think it's a shorter answer. Great. Um, <laughs> so I finally get ordained in 2018. Yeah. And it's yeah, very <laughs> exciting and it's great. And I am at my church and I, I love, working at the church. I love working with my kids and the pandemic hits and the longer things go on in that situation, the more I realize that like things aren't actually really working and the things that I feel called to are not necessarily vibing with the things that like they're going on at the church and the way that I understand things is not necessarily the way that church understand things, understands things. And at that point, I'm like two and a half years in my fellowship and I'm, I've come to the conclusion like this just isn't really working anymore. And so I asked, I'm like, I, I would like to, I'm done. I would like to leave. And they were gracious enough to let me go. Hmm. And like super cool community. I miss the heck out of those kids. Uh, mm. Some of the coolest, most awesome kids I've ever met in my life. Um, and also one of the scariest things that I've ever done, uh, leaving a stable job in the middle of a pandemic yeah, uh, with no plan. And Trust. I yeah. love my wife so much and I, she, I'm amazed she supported me so much hmm. and I spent the last six months of my fellowship, um, sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do and also doing a lot of freelance work and creative work, uh, do it like teaching classes virtually, uh, doing a lot of guest preaching, helping people with tech. Um, all, a lot of the theater stuff that I was doing with sound also translated into video stuff. Hmm. And I zoom had already been that program that I got stuck in whenever I had to do virtual meetings. And so like, I didn't like zoom, but I knew how it worked. 
And so I was able to translate that even when I was still at my church into like virtual worship stuff pretty easily. Yeah. And so as that technology started adapting and changing, like I was able to help with that too. So I got to help other churches do that and, and figured it out and piece some things together and was trying to figure out like, okay, you got that and you're figuring this out, but like, what are you going to do? Like you need, you cannot freelance forever. I mean, it would be cool, but like you, you're not gonna make enough money to do that. So what can you do? And a buddy of mine from seminary, um, he just, I don't know how he's doing this, but he's just constantly posting job listings in our alumni group. Like, I don't know what his hookup is, but he's always knows what the job listings are. Huh. It's like his way he escapes the world is like, I guess yeah. he's, he's super knowledgeable. And so he posted one uh, for beloved arise. And I looked at this and my immediate reaction is, why don't I know who these people are? Yeah. I thought I knew all the LGBT Christian organizations. Why don't I know this one? And I started reading about the organization. It's like, oh, all right. They do LGBT youth stuff. No, seriously. Why don't I know these people? Babies. Like I'm on the board of a, like, why don't I know y'all? Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, oh, well, I guess they're pretty new. And I'm reading like, like they have the program coordinator thing up and it's part-time and it's like, all right, well, it's part-time. Like, do I really want to go for a part-time position? It's like, no, but like, like sit down, read this. Hmm. Like, this is what, this is what you do. Apply. What's the, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You tell them no, they say no. Yeah. Just do it. They tell you no, nothing happens. The worst thing that happens, like what? You get it and you don't want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I applied. Um, y'all had your application up in December. <laughs> so like, thanks for putting it up during freaking, freaking Advent. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I'm never going to hear from you. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, no, no church. Anything happens during Advent. It's like, great. I'll see you in January. We all just shut down. Seriously. Right. Uh, so I, I do that. I start talking to another church at the same time. And so eventually it becomes like this really interesting situation where I'm interviewing with this church and I'm interviewing with Beloved Arise. Um, I end up taking both jobs and then I leave the church job pretty quickly. Like it becomes pretty clear that's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I stay with Beloved Arise. And so I end up, that's how I ended up here and like getting to do work with all of y'all and I've got to say, like, this is one of the most interesting jobs that I've ever had, Um, particularly coming out of the pandemic and having to totally change the way that I've been thinking about ministry and recognizing that, like, the pandemic has changed me. Yeah. Um, I realized, even in just leaving my old church job, I realized that a lot about me had changed. And I was thinking even long-term because like originally like even after I'd gotten ordained, it was like, well, what, like what would it like for me to be here for a longer term? It's like, well, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but at some point, like I'm going to leave. Yeah. What would my next job look like? And I started imagining like different aspects of the job that I would want. Um, And then the pandemic sort of 
added on to like, well, what are things about the about the situation now that you like that you want? And so like doing things virtually was like a major factor. Um, and so being able to sort of control the space that I was in or being able to do things regardless of where I was physically, um, having some freedom with my time mm-hmm. was super important. Still like always being able to still like do youth work, but also being able to do justice work, uh, really being able to lean into working with like LGBTQ youth uh, has always been something that's really important to me. Like I've, I've never been in a situation where I haven't been working with LGBTQ youth, but this is the first time where that's been the primary focus mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm working with LG, I'm working with youth and there are LGBT youth here as well, right. but like, it's just all youth. And this is the first time where it's like, no, specifically like this is who you're targeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also considering just like, well, like, what ways can we make this work specifically intersectional? Because mm-hmm. at the party is not intersectional. Like, I don't want to be there. Um, and so that's been something that I, that's been really important to me working here. Um, I love my coworkers here. Uh, Scott's been super fun to work with. <laughs> you too. Uh, it's also super. I like working with people who I can sort of just like be very honest with. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you Scott's fun to work with. It's fun to make fun of him. <laughs> Good. I think that's nice. You can always be honest with Scott. That's an, that's I exactly. think a general nice vibe. <laughs> I, I that, that that was. I have a thing with might men. I can say no to. Yes. yes. Absolutely. I feel like it, like if I can't say no to you, like this is not a healthy situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that I wouldn't want said about me about my funeral. I, I don't know why I think about my funeral a lot, but like. <laughs> I, I, okay. I do that too. I, yeah. We all do. Of course people we say, do. We, we felt like we could be honest with him. We felt like we could say no to him. Those are great things I would love to be said. Yeah. Uh, they had to say no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think you're naming something that both Scott and I also agree with. Like, because this, I think in a similar sense, Scott and I both, we came from different ministry backgrounds, but doing in-person ministry and then Beloved Arise kind of arose out of the pandemic. And there are some really beautiful aspects of online ministry that wouldn't have, we wouldn't have known about or wouldn't have even considered being a possibility had it not been for the pandemic. And it's like, yeah, here we are connecting with you and we've met you in person, but like generally our relationship is via online and it's still important and significant. It's like, I, I, I didn't have an ima- imagination for this two yeah, years ago. And and now we're living in it. <laughs> yeah. And to like and to sort of parlay into your second question, like I feel like one of the big critiques, both of theater and of of worship, is like the idea of spectacle. Hmm. And it's like, oh, if it's like super glitz or glam glamorous or you're doing like XYZ, like it's all spectacle and it's got no substance to it and blah 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 blah. And I I I don't necessarily think that spectacle in and of itself is bad like i think it's actually kind of neutral um Hmm. and it depends on like how you're using it and for what purpose and so when i think of things like how do we use sound how do we use lights how do we use different elements of things in theater or in worship or like in both because like almost every culture in the world has used theater in some sense as a way to um, has in like their religious rituals in some sense, mm-hmm. and like go to go to church, go to any church. I don't care what tradition it is. 
and like show me how it is not theatrical. Right. Absolutely. Show me how that ritual is not just draped in something theatrical. Like you're literally donning certain costumes mm-hmm. and you're saying things in a very specific way and you have a person literally up on stage like, a, you're literally up on a stage and even if they're just like walking through the audience like that's a th- that's still theater like theater yeah. like theater that interacts with the audience is still theater like yeah. it's still all theatrical and it's still all very intentional and it's all how you play that out and so how you're doing these things and why you're doing these things matters. And so like, I worked at a church where they had like, they had lights that had the ability to chase. And so we use that for a Christmas pageant and like, yeah, that's like glitzy and spectacle, but it worked in the moment because Mm -hmm. we were doing something intentional Yeah, and we did it on purpose. And so like, it mattered and well, so when you're doing those things and when you translate that sort of to like the online space and you're doing these things with intention and considering like the connections that you're trying to make and and the ways that people play off of each other online versus the way they play off of each other in person, when you're taking all of those things into consideration and you're taking it seriously, mm-hmm. you can create something that's really beautiful and that really creates connection, but you have to take it seriously and you have to value the fact that like technology is not evil Mm -mm. or scary Mm -mm. and it doesn't have to be this thing that ultimately separates us it can indeed connect us like um i was bored and alone and was like do you know what would be fun that i haven't done in a while what if i made a drag video like literally um i was supposed to go to cuba i'm still supposed to go to cuba at some point (laughs) one day i was supposed to go to cuba on this, like, this LGBT drag trip. Hmm. Oh. And I was going to come back and we were going to, like, try and do, like, this drag show at my church. Well, that would be cool. Yeah, it was good. It was this awesome idea. And, like, the secretary of my church has been pushing me for it for, like, a while. And it was like, yeah, I can use, like, my trip to come back and, like, talk about, like, the drag the stuff. And, like, we're going to do the first ever American Cuba drag show. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to get, like, sit there and be a witness to that. And then the pandemic happened and that all got pushed back by over a year. And I'm still waiting to find out like when it's going to happen. It has not actually been canceled yet, but I was like, what if I just did the routine that I wanted to do? Like after this, what if I just did it on my couch? Like now yes. right here, because we're all stuck inside and nobody has anything else better to do. We need something to watch. We need something to watch. Like it was, it was March. So I got a bunch of my like drag stuff that I still had in my apartment and I threw it on and I practiced a song. Um, I practiced Sunday candy. Love that. And I recorded a video one Sunday. Uh, Cause at that point they were recording uh, worship it, literally in the physical building. So I couldn't do anything anyway. Mm-hmm. So I watched church worship and I recorded a video. And I posted it online. And at that point, I had changed up my i, I my drag persona has gone through a couple of changes. Used and to be Kanye. Point, I going by, I, we're not going into that. Okay. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> um, but I had changed my drag persona to Chance the Dapper, and I was like, you know what? Let's let's make let's bring Chance into my real life. Mm. I was like, great. He is Chance the Dapper. 
AKA the drag pastor now. Chance is now a pastor. <laughs> let's let's pull him into it. This and so I right. just made this video for fun. And I posted it. And it was like, all right, cool. What if I do one next week? And I put po- and I did another video the next week. And it took forever. Like it was a nightmare to edit. I literally took 12 hours wow. to edit. Wow. Um, I was I was crying by the time I was done. Oh. But it worked. I figured out how to make it work. Um it was to B- Logic's Black Spider-Man. Yes, yes. I got way too ambitious on like how to do stuff, but I made it work. And then it was just like, what if I just kept doing this? And so I just started doing it. And then I was like, well, if he's a pastor, pastors do sermons. And so I just started doing like many messages afterwards. And so like for most of the pandemic, I've, I've got this drag persona who's a, literally like a drag pastor giving these inspirational messages and doing all of these crazy videos. And like one of the things that was really important to me was like, screw gender norms on this. Like if I can do drag, I can do whatever I want. Yes. And so I was just like pitch shifting songs done by women and being like, whatever, I'm going to do a Lizzo song and paint my nails. And he's going to like, and he's going to sing about like letting his hair down and painting his nails. And he can do whatever he wants. Cause like, do this. I love this journey. And so like, he's doing, he's painting his nails to Lizzo and he's like, singing a love like a Jonas Brothers obsession song to Lysol because that's what we needed to survive the pandemic yeah and like talking about how it's all right to cry or like wearing a sloth costume and talking about how today he's not doing anything and that's fine and just like Hmm. getting to use that as a form of ministry just on this couch except for the sloth ones in my bed um (laughs) Because why not? Yeah. That's the nice exact right answer. Yeah. Right? Why we not? We can, and we can, and <clears throat> like, if ministry can be, if theology can be whatever we want, ministry can be whatever we yes, want. Yes, yes. Whatever's authentic and, and feels good and, and makes sense. And it, like that chance makes sense. Yeah. In that I'm world. I'm really in fired this, up right now. <laughs> in this techno- technological world, where like nothing makes sense chance makes sense mm. so like let him play and have fun and like oh my be heart positive and remind everybody that they're a blessing because they're a blessing and even when you watch like beloved arises prayer videos i have to constantly re-record them um <laughs> because i have to remember that i am doing them and not chance right, so I, right. Can't like chance. <laughs> I have to go back into my actual <laughs> Okay, wait, I am Pastor Ashley here. I am not Chance, but also. I love yeah. this idea of like people um, but being. A- and Pastor yeah. Ashley reminds people that they're a blessing. She just doesn't yeah. need to kiss off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he does a kiss off. I love this idea of people like, like you being. You can't blow a kiss off to, to like teenagers on. Um, that's weird. <laughs> Why did Chance paint his nails this week and dance to Lizzie? You're like, I don't know. That's Chance. <laughs> chance the Dapper did that. You have to ask him. <laughs> Because he wanted to walk him find himself out. He wanted to walk his find himself out the door. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. You know, I just want to name this. I said this to Scott before we interviewed you. Of just like being excited about this interview because I just feel like you embody faith in a way that's like without words. Like it just feels like just being around you. You're just like I'm just gonna do me, and hmm. this is who I am is honoring to God, and that just like permeates. I feel like it's just like it's 
it's very unspoken. And I just feel like as you're talking about this, I'm like, yeah, of course, this is this is the exact way that I would see you sharing any kind of message is like through this because it just feels like it's coming from you. Yeah. I literally just had an article published about this two days ago. On yeah, Unbound just published an article where I talk about awesome. like doing drag and being chance and all that. That's super gotta, cool. We'll, we'll find that article. We, yeah, I'll, no, I'll we'll read it. We'll bio. link it. We'll we'll get everyone to go look. Uh, let me go to the bathroom really quick. Okay. <laughs> but you guys keep talking. <laughs> can the podcast keep going while I go to the bathroom? I think the podcast. Sometimes we take a, a like a break. Assuming you don't take your microphone with you. Yeah, I'm not taking my microphone. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> now that Scott's gone, is there anything else? Is there anything to be said about Scott while he's gone? <laughs> Scott wears a lot of fila. Scott wears a lot of fila. I don't know if I've actually noticed his, that. I appreciate his style. <laughs> I feel like I have to name, you have a very, like, I like your style. I feel like you have a, a, a graphic t-shirt style. I really like t-shirts. <laughs> uh, that's another thing that happened during the pandemic. I didn't have to wear work clothes anymore. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is relatable. Uh, that's, that's another great part about now having a virtual job. Um, I, I feel like I don't have good words to describe like, what's your style like? masculine feminine androgynous blah 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 blah. it's like it's lazy (laughs) um i like clothes that are comfortable and i'm tired um and so pretty much i wore like button downs and polos to work because i couldn't wear t-shirts anymore (laughs) and so now i can wear whatever i want and so i just wear graphic t-shirts all the time which is what i was wearing before i had to go to like an office job for a real job no i'm already because i've just been in school mostly this year and i'm just like oh i guess i just wear hoodies every day and now i'm like what am i gonna do when i have to go back in person like i am i gonna am i gonna just keep wearing hoodies every day i might i might just keep it up (laughs) well i don't I don't think you I don't think you were there for this conversation when we had it, but I was talking with some folks. So I have there is a company that makes like um clergy wear designed for women, quote unquote. Okay. Which basically means like it's cut for bodies that were like assigned women at birth. And they have a product that is essentially a dicky with a collar. And I own it and I love it because I can just wear that under a t-shirt mm. and it turns anything I own into a colored shirt. All of a sudden, this is this is fancy. This is looking a little upscale. It's so great. <laughs> well, it's also perfect because it like I can take that and turn like anything into the colored shirt for like the protest. Mm-hmm. And so like I've shown up to a lot of different protests and various events in whatever shirt makes sense for that event. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, I need to go to like the trans lives matter thing. Cool. I'm wearing my trans shirt. And then this collar. Yeah. Cool. You know that churches love you. Great. Yeah. That's actually love really, that. that's really nice. Cause I feel like, I mean, especially at something like a protest, like a pastoral presence is really significant and very symbolic. Yeah. So then you're like, oh, and here, what, whatever shirt corresponds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do like try to be strategic about it because there are some places where it's like, oh, you probably don't 
want a pastor there and then I just dress as like a lay person because why not? Right. Yeah. But then right. and sometimes it's like, nah, actually, I probably should do this. Yeah. And so I do try and like pay attention to certain things and like research events ahead of time. Um, also, it was great because at the church I used to work at, I could like walk in and be like, hey, so there's this thing going on. Like there's a demonstration. I'm going to just wear the church shirt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And I could just do that for work. Yeah. Right. Perfect. You guys started talking about fashion or clothes? We did. We started talking about clothes. <laughs> well, as I uh, noticed, it, you wear a lot of fila. <laughs> that was that was the instigating comment. <laughs> I mean, that was that is sort of a throwback. I feel like '90s are sort of back, and fila was a brand I was definitely wearing in my like middle school and high school <laughs> years. I don't know if like I, I could wear like cross colors. In, I assumed it was the Pacific Northwest, and you are old. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a combination. <laughs> <laughs> remember cross colors did you wear cross colors i am also old so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was huge in like middle school and high school for me but um well i am slightly less old slightly so less old yeah <laughs> um i learned the kid and play dance when i was in sixth grade that's another throwback um Still elementary school yep yep i'm out of this <laughs> nope. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, Enjoy youth. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, as it, it, we, I always say this, like as a, we're kind of probably winding down. Um, I mean, it's way later for Ashley. But. <laughs> I know, Ashley. I feel bad. It's like what one in the morning. <laughs> it is not one in the morning. Yeah. Twelve. Also, Twelve. I'm usually up at yeah. this time, so it's fine. Okay. Cool. I, I mean, I, this is this is one of the things that I feel like is encouraging to a lot of people and certainly encouraging to us too, of like people, I mean, obviously in the kids I talk to are this way too, but a lot of the people that we engage with as listeners are sort of disenchanted by Christianity for lots of valid reasons and are sort of wanting to leave and jump ship. And that's also valid and fine. And I would, you know, for whatever reason you want to do that and need to like go, go do that. But like, sometimes I'm like, well, there's some other really great things happening and some other really great conversations. If you can find it, you know, um, and, uh, you know, affirming spaces, but also this just idea of like queer theology or queering anything for that matter. It, it's just this idea of like looking at scripture through different lenses and the conversation is so much more fascinating than I think people think. And I don't want to rope people back into something that they're not interested in, but at the same time, I'm like, but also it's kind of interesting. Some, some interesting things are happening over here. I mean, and you've captured that and I know that's just the tip of the iceberg, but even just this last little part about you talking about chance, the dapper, I'm like, this is an ordained pastor folks. Like there's some really cool stuff going on out here. <laughs> um, so and I get I've done drag in church. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so I mean, more than once, I, I don't know, like if there's a question formulating here, but I, I just wonder, like, I feel like through beloved arise and through some other things you're working on and certainly me too. And, and certainly mace, um, what, what, where, what's the question I'm asking? Where, what, what types of things do we want it to be talking to kids and youth and people about in general, in terms of like God or like showing them that there's a different way to talk about it. I don't know. That's, that's such a sloppy question, but <laughs> it's an authentic question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like it is important to show just spiritual and theological diversity 
um, in the sense that just like there's so many different ways of thinking and being and understanding, including just stuff that like you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I've, I've heard so many things that like I've outright just rejected in my body and soul. And, and I, I grew up in like a really affirming church and like a really a place where I felt really safe. Mm-hmm. But also like in hearing some of those things that like are not quite as safe. I did. I heard them in a place where I was able to be like, well, that sounds like nonsense. And they're like, OK, why does that sound like nonsense? And I like was given space to like figure out how to verbalize why it sounded like nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like I've been really fortunate in the sense that I've been given space and language to to say that. Yeah. And so I I know I don't know everything that's out there. Obviously, I know some things, um, and I know how to speak against some things that are out there that have been harmful to me. Um, I remember when my denomination was go- speaking or was fighting basically around same-sex marriage and around LGBTQ ordination. And so many people were having this argument and the argument was basically one side was arguing Bible and one side was arguing compassion. And I was like, nah, I mean, we can, right. But also like, I can argue Bible too. Yeah. Right. Right. Like we can have, like we can do a parallel conversation and like, we may not agree with each other, but with the very least we can make an argument that there are biblical arguments for either case. Yeah. And so at best, this is a stalemate. Mm-hmm. And this is just like what you think versus I think what I think. And like, that's not going to get us anywhere. So like at the very least, this is not you having some kind of biblical superiority over me. Right. Um, but in addition to that, I feel like, and this is one of the things that I take really seriously in my work with youth of children and youth of all ages I have so little interest, to be honest, um, in whether or not a young person is Christian. Um, it's cool when they are. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I've I've had some youth who have grown up and been really interested in Christianity and like want to talk about it, and that's always super cool for me. But at the end of the day, like, I don't actually care that much. What I care about is them going on their spiritual journey and them coming to whatever uh, conclusions that they need to come to and figuring out what makes the most sense for them. And, and even when it comes to like their interpretations of Christianity, like I said before, we're making so much of this up. Mm -hmm. Like so much of this is us just trying to make sense of this amazing, incredible, massive God that doesn't make sense to us. Yeah. Because how could somebody how could so something so great actually make sense to human beings who are not on the same level? And so if that's the case, like everything's gonna fall short, and we're all all of us combined and all of our ideas combined together are gonna come somewhere close. But in the meantime, like you can try y- yourself, like you can also make it up. And, like, if somebody else is sitting there doing something and, like, you want to do drag church, do drag church. If you want to do church in the middle of the woods barefoot, I mean, that's not my ministry, but if that's your ministry, go for it. If you want to do Lego church, do Lego church. 
If you want to do church where you scream at the sky, do church where you scream at the sky. Whatever makes sense for you. Like, (laughs) figure that stuff out. Or church doesn't make sense for you. God doesn't make sense for you. Cool, whatever. Just figure that stuff out. Take the time and the space and the energy to do that. And like that should be your freedom and your mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. Like you get to do it. It's it's not the realm of the dead white guys or the people that your parents tell you to read or Fox News or whoever. And like, and also like you don't have to care. This is me. <laughs> I love talking this. To all of you. <laughs> I love this. You don't have to care what Fox News or Young Life or Whoever is saying, I like, I don't care about what a lot of people in Christianity mm-hmm. are doing. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people doing really negative things. I don't care about them. You don't have to care. Just don't give me. You can time. go do something positive in your life. It can be something positive in Christianity. It can be something positive in a different faith. It can be something positive in like, I don't know, Roblox. Like whatever you want. Yeah. Go do something positive in Warcraft. Go do something positive on YouTube. Go to something positive on TikTok. Whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Go to something positive and like paint. Yes. Whatever. Just put your energy into things that matter to you. Hmm. Put things, put your energy into things that you can be faithful towards and to things that bring you fulfillment and positivity and light and love and, and fulfill you. Dang. That's what I want for our young people in the world. Yes. You did a, a, a lot of good stuff with an awkward question. That whole preach right <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Man. So you're not like really paying attention to John MacArthur sermons or anything like that. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> good. You shouldn't. I'm going to assume it's some loud white guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, everything you just said just made my heart sing. And I think, you know, we talked about young life last week and I come from a young life background and it's like, I keep trying to think, okay, well, I think beloved arise and maybe something that you and you and I and Mace and others are making together. Ashley is it's not just an affirming youth group, although that's a huge part of what we do, but it's, it's also, it's also a youth group where you don't feel pressured at camp to, you know, convert to Christianity, you know, uh, which is what young life does. And I, I do love young life to a certain extent, but like the whole project here isn't like, um, convert to our side and then we celebrate you. It's like you're, we celebrate you now and there's all sorts of different ways to express this. Yeah. I, um, the, when I was working at the church that I grew up in, they, I was not working with the older kid youth group, but there was a, there was a young man in that youth group who was a staunch atheist. And he showed up like almost every week. Hmm. And I'd like, I was sort of sat there. And also he was like one of the only white kids there. And I would just sort of sit back and I'd watch him. And like, he was a pretty chill kid. I liked him. And I, just, and I eventually asked like, why does he keep coming? Yeah. Like what's keeping I you mean, here? Like, I mean, like who, I can't imagine his parents are making him come. Like they don't seem like the type, like why does he keep coming? And it's like, cause they accept him just as he is. Like, Mm-hmm. He's authentically himself. No one's making him do anything. Yeah. And he keeps voluntarily showing up. He knows we are a Christian group. They know he's an atheist. That's cool. And it's fine. It's like, all right. 
Live and let live. Cool I thing. love that. Yeah, like not making these like lines of demarcation where you're in or you're out. I remember even like seven or eight years ago when I was working at this other great church that I actually loved, it was just an awkward moment, but like some some woman who was my age who had actually sung in the choir with in college <laughs> um, just announced to the congregation that she's atheist now, but um, she also wanted to keep attending the church and sing in the choir and be part of the congregation. And I was like, Oh gosh, like I was, I always feel compelled to draw close to someone like that. So I was like, Hey, I know your kids are coming up in the youth group. Like, do you want to help me uh, get guest speakers as like a volunteer? And she was like, totally. And I remember our staff was like, Whoa, wait, why are you having her do leadership things when she's an atheist? And I was like, she still goes to our church. She's a part of our community. She, she, she's interested in finding guest speakers for me and actually probably Christian guest speakers. So why not utilize that? Like, <laughs> right. And what does it say about somebody who decided to stay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it say about your community that somebody was like, I don't believe in God, but I believe in this community. Right. Yeah. Right. I love that. And I mean, and there are so many ways where like that can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's something to be said about, the respect and mutuality that has to exist uh, for a non-Christian to be in that space, in a space like that safely. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I think that's extraordinarily important, but like if somebody is willingly making the choice, like I had multiple students in my last church who were super atheists and it's like, all right, what do I need to do to like, for you to authentically show up? Like if I change this language, are you cool with that? Like instead of saying prayer, if I invite you to, if I invite you to like, lift things up. Like, Talk to yourself. Give a reflection. Yeah. <laughs> like there's not even like that. Just like you, like you want to send like well wishes. Like, does that work? Does that language yeah. work better for you? It's like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, like one kid's like, I want to participate in the Christmas pageant, but like that doesn't feel authentic to me. It's like, if I write a statement about the church's social justice beliefs, do you feel good about that? And he was like, yep. I'm like, all right. Love there you that. Go. Cool. Yeah. At the old church that we worked at that we have mentioned a few times that I got fired from, uh, one of the final things that happened was we had this senior grad night and there's like 30 seniors graduating. We made this long, like documentary style video. Every kid was interviewed and this new group of people who eventually pushed me out, (laughs) um, were watching this video and it was just like, I, I just interview kids and let them talk. I don't guide them. I don't tell them to give certain answers. I don't, I don't say, Hey, you know, make me look good by talking about Jesus in this video. I say, who is God to you? Uh, how have you encountered Jesus during your time here? And I just let people answer and you get some great answers and some funny answers and some obviously very authentic answers. And they're just up there on the screen interspersed with montages from all our memories and stuff like that. But I remember one person just came up and said, they didn't talk very much about Jesus. We really need to work on that. And I was like, wow. Oh. Uh, why? Uh, yeah, just let them answer the questions as they answer them. It's like they that's get a real answer. That's what matters. Yeah, yep. exactly. exactly. <laughs> Man, this has been so. This has been like ideal. It's in such my a mind. delight. I've, ideal. I've absolutely loved this, and yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm excited that we are all working together. I feel like I'm out of the club and that I don't technically work You're in the for club. Beloved or Eyes, no, but no, I'm no. like oh. always on the, I'm always like, but I'm here too, you guys. Yeah. So this is really special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I feel like you're more in the club than I am. <laughs> we get, no. I feel like so much of my work is like me on the outside being like, I'm going to do this thing. And also like, Hey, Rebel, can I come visit? No, I no, know. We need to every month. merge. Come every time. We need to merge more moving forward. Come and buy your forward. pool on Ashley. Right, right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> 
um, you know, we need, we need to merge more moving forward. And I think we'll do that. But like, yeah, you know, there would be no rebel without you. I mean, there was a core group We're all of in the club. Like, We're, all in the club. We're all in the club. It's cool. We're all in this together. How many songs could I sing before you copyright? <laughs> no, I know when you were saying this earlier, um, when you're kind of going on your theology sermon rant in a beautiful way, uh, I, I had so I had to that into the woods song. Um, you decide what's right. You decide what's good. You decide what's song. right. Me too. I love that. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's a great message to teens and young people in general, but probably humanity as a whole. But yes. Um, oh no, SD card is limited space remaining. Okay, it's still recording, but yeah. that is. We're almost- that is her sign. Thank you for hitting that. Actually, Ashley needs to go to bed. <laughs> well, I'm so I'm so blessed to know you, and I'm so blessed to be working with you, and I I just can't wait for like what's ahead. I mean, this is this is this is so cool. I feel so inspired and so lucky. Thank you, thank you all for for inviting me to this. This is one of the coolest things I have ever done. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love yes. it. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. This is what I love. Is like. As we're wrapping up, I mean, honestly, like this conversation about being authentic selves and stuff is like, everybody knows this, but everybody's always told us like, you need to make your podcast shorter. And, you know, we have long conversations and especially when it comes to interviews, I've always loved that part of what we get to do is, is, is create a safe environment or like a comfortable environment, you know, where people can really just chill out and, share their story and pontificate and not like rush the story. Cause like so many cool things happen when you don't rush it. True story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well said. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking the time tonight. Um, this was so fun. And honestly, we need to do another episode where we just talk about Steven universe. Yes. Yeah. We've done four, we've done four episodes on Steven universe. So it's time. I've got got one of my SU shirts on today. Oh, there you go. I love it. Is it a song? (laughs) Uh, it is the marriage vows of Ruby and Sapphire. What, a great ending <laughs> okay. to this episode. <laughs> Break my heart. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. Thanks so much, Ashley. Thank you. All right. Sleep well. Bye. Thank you.